Lots of people dream of turning a love of making into a career, but what is it really like running your own business as a maker? In this section of the podcast, we talk to makers about what it's like to design, produce, and sell their own products. Listen to the conversation and let's imagine ourselves in their kitchens, studios, and workshops and find out what it's like to be a maker. Our guest today is Pip Bradley, a maker and entrepreneur from Birmingham who has created the spicy chili sauce brand Pip's Hot Sauce. Crafted in small batches, Pip describes her sauces as made by chili heads for chili heads who love flavour as well as spice. Legend has it that Pip got the idea for her business while eating at a local pub and with no chili sauce to add to her meal, she wrote up a list of ingredients on the back of a beer mat for her ideal hot sauce. The list became a recipe and the rest is history. Pip and Pip's hot sauce were born in Birmingham and are proud of their roots. Pip is now being asked to create bespoke sauces for other local brands, including Attic Brew and Home of Metal. As well as running Pip's hot sauce, Pip is a key influencer in Birmingham's artisan trading and festival scene, including setting up King's Heath Artisan Market and also Pip and Powell's Community Interest Company. Yes. Welcome to the podcast, Pip. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> We're delighted to talk to you today. Before we start talking hot chili sauce, we like to ask all our guests, are you feeling on the right side of 40 today? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I am. Um, I've been doing Stoptober like, unofficially, so I'm feeling annoyingly fucking perky. <laughs> so, um, so, is that what, what is Stoptober? Uh, no boozing. Oh. For the whole of yeah. October. Yeah. yeah. No. Well, it's early days yet, so I'm still enthusiastic, but ask me in about a week and I'll be pulling the hair out. It is only the 6th of October. We'll give it some time. Anyway, <laughs> let's get going. Pip, we want to know more about how Pip's hot sauce came to be. Take us back to that meal you were eating when you thought, I wish I had some hot sauce. Is that story true? It is, yeah. I irritate myself when I tell it because it sounds so so perfectly PR sort of thing. Um, <laughs> it, uh, yeah, I've, and I've told it so many times that it does really fucking irritate me, actually. But it is genuinely true. We were, me and my partner Matt were having a pizza at the Plough in Harborn. And they did actually used to do a hot sauce, but they'd run out and there was, wasn't any. And at the time, I worked for the Wildlife Trust wasn't the greatest salary lovely job but i used to make and i used to have time and have an allotment and do things like that and be all very very sort of the good life and um i used to make loads of jams and shit like that but which is bizarre because i haven't really got sweet sweet tooth at all but anyway they didn't have any chili sauce so i was moaning and matt got me to write a list of what would be my ideal chili sauce and i started to make it and give it gave it away to loads of people for christmas and everybody but one wanted some more so that was it (laughs) that's incredible so do you have a background in this or is this just purely from a hobby uh i wouldn't even call it a hobby really it was just um I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, it just happened at the right time. So my contract at the Wildlife Trust had finished. I, I, I've been so many different types of jobs, so many different careers, never really fitted in. So I'd started making this. Matt was being really, really encouraging and people were really going for it. And then somebody introduced me to a another Rachel uh, and she started doing Oh, I, I'm going to interject here because... What? Pip and I know, for listeners, Pip and I know lots of Rachels in common, don't we? 
So this yeah, is yeah. another Rachel to the gang. Excellent. I think in the the sort of late sixties, early seventies, they only had three girls' names that you were allowed to use. Yeah. One of which was Rachel. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so Rachel Carter, this is she had a business called Kerfuffle that she just started doing jams and stuff. And she just said, Why don't you come and share half a stall with me? So we trundled up together, sort of split a farmer's market stall in half and well, she had two thirds and I had one third and, and that was it just went for it and it was kind of half necessity and half just winging it I think now with being a little bit more sensible there's no fucking way I would have done it it's bonkers <laughs> so when was mental. this 11 years ago 11 years ago I think that's and incredible how old, how old were you at the time uh still in my 30s so yeah. late 30s so yeah so I'll be 50 next year so yeah don't um, worry so we're on the other side of 50 so uh, you're in good company do you know what I'm blessed with the ginger jeans so age does not bother me <laughs> <laughs> aching knees does and hangovers that last three days that's a bit I bet I could do without but the rest of it I don't give a shit about <laughs> yeah. I hear you so, so what was the necessity part? You said you did it half by necessity, half well, by winging. Just the fact that, you know, the funding for my position was coming up. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't in love with the third sector anymore. I'm a massive, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not a great employee. Um, Why aren't you a great employee? I'm fascinated by this. I'm just not very good at being told what to do. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, Me it neither, much... so that's why I'm asking. <laughs> I mean, it was much worse when I was younger. I was brought up by somebody with undiagnosed personality, uh, serious personality issues and also massive, massive narcissistic personality. And it's taken up until my late 40s to kind of deconstruct all that conditioning anyway. But it does mean that over my life, I have reacted very, very badly to authority figures. And, you know, there's other reasons as well, but that's a yeah. really good excuse. But also maybe you want to do your own thing. Because that's, oh, yeah, totally. that's what I also think about it, that maybe it's not about not wanting to be told what to do. It's that you want to do what you want to do. Yeah. Which is what you're doing now. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I also think, you know, you know, no matter what you say about women in the workplace, there isn't an even playing field a lot of the time because you're working with men who have grown up knowing that they are you know their their feet are more I'm trying to be diplomatic in how I say this that you know how you just, they just have a, a more innate confidence that they're right yeah yeah so, I mean that's what the patriarchy has given us it's yeah it's absolutely let all those guys grow up feeling that what they are is normal and what everything else is not yeah and we, we've had to work around that so I totally get that I mean a lot of what we do on the podcast is trying to kind of work around that really deconstruct it think about what we can do now so anyway and i'm a shit employee <laughs> <laughs> no you are not you're just yeah. you're you're a good boss i bet that's what you are <laughs> yeah so yeah like tell us the winging it part so you, you wouldn't have chosen it necessarily but you did so how did how did that go well i'm just really 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 lucky in the fact that rachel wanted somebody to share a stall with her you know, social media was very, very different then as well. It was 
in its infancy in supporting you know new businesses coming out so which is quite lucky actually because I'm not very good at social media I'm about 10 years too old to get it um and I really don't enjoy it at all so that was quite lucky and you know you could do one post a week and everybody'd be like wow so but that that did absolutely no doubt I'm not knocking it it did help that you know social media platforms were sort of emerging as a tool at the time and there was also you know the whole street food scene had started in Birmingham and I was lucky and winging it in that I I crossed over that and said look okay I know I'm not a street food I'm not doing burgers I'm not doing needles or whatever but you know let me be part of your scene anyway and yeah I, I, I crossed over into doing some events with from Yum Yum, which was an organisation that did stuff in King's Heath. And from that opened some other doors. So, and that was pure winging it going. And it was just because I was like, well, do you know what? Those events look like loads more fun than farmer's market. So I want in. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you move then from jams to the hot sauce? I assume the big oh, bur- just... burger incident was in there. No, 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 no. The hot sauce was just because of sitting in the pub. I mean, I used to make the jams just because I'd be out on site and when I worked at the Wildlife Trust and there'd be loads of produce and I'd make it as jams just because, just for something to do really. So when I started making the sauce, that was that was it. That was all I had time for. And it was literally like the first recipe went out. I gave some jars to people for Christmas, got some feedback, started making it. And I literally, you know, I, I didn't have the time for anything else from that moment onwards. And I, I think it literally, it was a right moment. It was like everything changed and we just haven't had the time to stop since that moment. So wow. where did it start? Was it at your kitchen table? Was it somewhere else? In the kitchen. I still do it at home now. We've spoken to investors and it's never quite been right. And then COVID happened as well. One, one of our, our really big sort of, you know, this take it to the next level. And then COVID happened and we hadn't sort of, you know, we were kind of feeling, shall we go for this? Shall we not? Um, and I'm really, really, really glad that we hadn't because that would have killed it if we'd taken on new premises or yeah. the rest of it. Really difficult. So, yeah. And because we, we dodged the bullet so much there, that I think one of the reasons why we're we're so cautious, it's ridiculous. We've probably cut our noses off despite our face a lot of times. But it's not just about that. It's about having a different lifestyle. I don't want to be sat in an office all day. So if it becomes a thing where I'm sat in an office all day, then it's not for me. You know, we're we're doing something that's very much still a creative endeavour. And if it changes from being that, I'll lose interest and it won't be for me. Um, so I don't know. It's really difficult. It, it's, you know, we're still in the kitchen. It's how we want it. It's how I like it. You know, we've got, we're still doing the fun stuff. And that's what I like. Yeah. I think it's a difficult one, isn't it, for people who enjoy making things and enjoy running a business like that hands on. Mm. But the bigger you get, the more investment you get, the more people are involved and the further you get from actually doing the thing that you really enjoy. In fact, I think you get that in all jobs, actually. Yeah. You know, once you start moving up levels and becoming a manager and you do get away from the things that perhaps attracted you into the job in the first place so is it is it just you and Matt working in the business yeah just me and Matt we do have people that help us when we need it when we get really really busy okay. uh, and then obviously with the other side of things the markets and the CIC I have people that help with different elements of that as well so you know it's a mixed bag um, yeah but 
over the years I've met a pool of people who are all independently doing their own thing and you know it's it's a, a resource pool that we can lean on each other so for instance my friend who's also got a community interest company who also does workshops and things like that which we also do she will have uh, times when when she's inundated and I can help her out uh, and vice versa. In fact, she's the one who does the social media for the uh, Kingsley Vastan market for us because that's her, you know, her skills set. So, hmm. you know, we've kind of got this all pulled together in uh, almost like a bit of a, a, a skills cooperative. Wow, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. yeah, it is, isn't it? I want to be in this. <laughs> you know that Eve makes jam and pickles every year and gives them to us as Christmas presents. Yeah. Oh, very nice. Yeah. <laughs> you, Eve. I, I've come to jam very late, but I, <laughs> I, I quite like it. It is entirely because I have a really old apple tree in our garden, nice. and we've got damsons and plums as well. Just because of where we live, it used to be an orchard, and when they divided it up in the 30s, they made sure that every property got one of the fruit trees, at least one nice. of the fruit trees. So yeah, it's so it's it's purely by chance, but nice. um. Yeah, I got given a pickling book for Christmas and I've never looked back. Like, Eight. yeah, I love pickling stuff. It's amazing. You can yeah, pickle anything. And also, it's just so nice. You know, people really appreciate something homemade. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this year I ran out of time, so they're all getting damson gym. I have no nice. idea if it's going to work out. <laughs> oh, that would be lovely. <laughs> I've already warned them. This might be awful. <laughs> oh, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> That's not me. Yeah. But anyway, so tell us about what your day looks like, because I'm astonished to discover that you actually still make them all yourself, because when my sample arrived, it was amazing. Oh, I, I loved you. all of it. And I was, I'm very surprised to learn this is not made in a commercial kitchen, because I assume you're pumping out loads of these. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it depends what we're doing, because, you know, we'll, we'll gear our week around different priorities. But Matt will go to the wholesale market about five o'clock in the morning. We don't store any produce here because two reasons, space. And the second reason is we don't need to because we've got the wholesale market in Birmingham. It's great. We've got really good connections there. It's fine. So Matt will go and get the fresh ingredients that we need at stupid o'clock and then he'll come home and go to bed. So, yeah, so he'll he'll go back to bed and I'll get up and start putting sauce on then get onto the emails and do whatever other stuff whoa whoa go 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 back i want what? more i want how you don't just put the sauce on well it'll be you know washing chopping putting stuff that needs to go in the oven smoking stuff that needs to be smoking i'm not going to give you all my trade secrets and let's face it <laughs> no but it's do you boring do, you do, <laughs> do you do multiple things so you're making different sauces at the same time no I can't make more than one sauce at a time. So I'll okay. make one one individual batch, then I'll bottle it, and then it goes into the front room for Matt to deal with labelling and topping. And then I'll crack on with whatever else I'm doing. Then what I also do is whilst I've got stuff cooking, I will be on the laptop sorting out the trader list, checking people's availability and their, their paperwork basically for the different markets that we organise, you know, scheduling kids' classes, things like that. So I'll do all the admin in between when the pot's boiling, mm. um, which is why I'm an absolute shitter to get hold of. <laughs> and I'm terrible <laughs> for ignoring emails. So, yeah, that's my excuse. It would be like, oh, I was going to reply, but the, the, but the pot had boiled, so I, my focus changed. <laughs> You're a slave to the pot. You've got to do yeah. it. 
Exactly. So how many so how many bottles of sauce would you make in a, a day if you were doing a full day of it? About 250-300 depending on what type of sauce we're doing. How wow. Do more... How? How do you make 250 jars in a day out of your kitchen? Bottles. Jars would be a piece of piss. Bottles. Okay. <laughs> I'll do a 25 litre batch at a time. Well, it's a 25 litre um, pot. I mean, depending on which recipe I'm doing, it might not necessarily be that much in there. But yeah, yeah, it's just, you know, do the batch and then bottling's what takes a while. Um, you know, you've got to sterilise your bottles first. You've got to, you know, hot hole. Um, you've got to dip them and do all the rest of it as well. So, but actually cooking it's pretty straightforward. I mean, some take more than others, longer than others. There are more elements like the smoking elements and, you mm. know, roasting and different things like that. Uh, and some are much more straightforward. Oh, God, yeah. And then some are, like the ferment we've just started doing with Attic Brew, obviously that's, you know, it's it's kind of easy, but it's, I've, you know, there's a, it takes a long time because you've got to wait for it to ferment. So that's a, that's a whole different skill area as well. So Yeah, I haven't tried fermentation yet. I'm a slightly nervous about that. Don't be. And also, don't bother with books and stuff like that. Just, you know, the basic elements of it. Because there, a lot of people are like, oh, it says it's got to ferment for X, Y, Z. But they don't tell you where you're putting it or they don't know, you know, what time of year you're doing it, where you're putting it. So you have to experiment and, you know, and not take other people's word for how things work. Work it out mm. yourself. <laughs> I see how your um, dislike of being told what to do is actually a core competency <laughs> in this line of work. Well, maybe it is. <laughs> not even the books. The books are not going to tell you what to do either. <laughs> yeah, well, they're kind of, you know, basic guidance. But all this, like, you must do this and you must do that. Nah. That's interesting. And how did you learn to, because like scaling up recipes is actually really difficult. Like, how did you learn the methodology for doing that? Did you actually take a course or did you just experiment your way? Just experiment. And it's hilarious because I'm so dyslexic. that I'm terrible with numbers and figures and things like that. I can't measure anything. I can't measure, you know, if we're doing a new label, Matt has to do the measurements, send over the designer and stuff because I, I, oh, it's terrible. I will get it wrong. And the, uh, the more I try to get it right, the, the more I'm guaranteed to, to balls it up totally. So I think, it's just doing something practical is very different to doing working numbers out on paper so when i'm first scaling up you know i'll have an idea okay that's going to mean that needs to be 10 times that and things like that but even then you could get the figures right and scale it up in terms of the figures being totally right but there's always this element of variation where you have to kind of wing it and make it up and just taste it and and mess about with it and I, that appeals to me I think because there's that element of witchcraft to it I guess <laughs> I love it you're brewing you're literally brewing yeah <laughs> over your exactly. potions yeah definitely <laughs> I've watched enough episodes of The Apprentice to know oh. that in the cooking task they always get everything wrong don't I they assholes anybody yes. like in the introduction introduction and I, I i have a real problem with this word entrepreneur because it basically means wanker as far <laughs> as i'm concerned i apologize um, for putting it in your intro it? yeah i know it's just a catch-all i'll let you off but fucking hell, people know what, what it means mean? it just means Ugh. you're a business owner yeah, you but know. what the fuck does that mean? Do you know what I mean? Oh, and I've gained a passion for this. Oh, fuck off. You know, I just 
<laughs> I just, I hate that word. <laughs> so how would you describe yourself other than obviously witchcraft sauce maker? maker? Yeah, a sauce, sauce maker. maker. Yeah, a sauce maker. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I, I make sauce and I sell it and that's it. <laughs> yeah. So how do you sell it then? So what's the biggest part of your business? Is it online or is it the markets? Markets face-to-face is definitely the main element of our business. Online is, is second to that. Um, we used to do quite a lot of wholesale, but we really drew back on that after lockdown because, you know, unless we want to be in that growth position, um, yeah. there's just not enough in it for us. And we, we do all right from what we're doing anyway. We do wholesale to some places that we like, um, but we yeah. say no to more places that approach us than we say yes to because, you know, like I said, whilst we're not going for super duper massive growth, let's do stuff that makes us happy, not stuff that pisses us off. Yeah. Is it so, true you you now supply the pub where you first got the idea for the recipe? Oh, they were our first customer. I think that's brilliant. Yeah. What a story. Well, <laughs> it's like I said, like I've said a couple of times that I'm really, really, we've been really lucky. Uh, and that was one of them because what happened was I'd started making it and giving it away, loads of people asking for more. And then one night, you know those accidental mad piss-ups that happen? One of those had happened and we were all back at my friend Kate's house and another friend who's a designer, and we were all wasted. He was sort of ranting, saying, you're onto something, I'll de- you need to put it in some bottles and I'll design you a label, which I reminded him of when he was sober and he did. And I literally... I was still just thinking, oh, these will be really posh presents for people. And I had, um, I printed it off just on the print behind me and cut it out and print sticked it to a bottle. And I had it in my handbag and we were back at the plough having lunch. And one of the, one of the old bar managers, and um, he came out and he was like, oh, give us that. So he disappeared. And then the owner, Adam, came out and I genuinely thought he was going to give me a bollocking for using my own condiment. And now he just said, like, right, I'll have 128 bottles of that next week, please. Wow. (laughs) That's incredible. That's amazing. Did you have? Did you have 150 bottles in your handbag no, just in no. case? <laughs> I had to. I had to get. I have skins as well. So my dad, my dad, bless him, bought this pallet of bottles for us that got delivered from a lorry to the street outside. And this pallet, they were all loose. They weren't in boxes, and it was pissing down with rain. And it was just held on with that, you know, like pallet cling film stuff and I had to get them all out in the right uh, out out from the street outside because obviously you can bring a pallet into a terrace house like in, in carrier bags like loading them out from this pallet in the middle of the fucking street and then bring them in yeah I didn't have a fucking clue um, and I haven't even I haven't even thought about environmental health by that point obviously I had to do that afterwards but yeah it was um yeah I'll say the tit is one way of describing it <laughs> That's sounds incredible. Brilliant. I also want to talk about your branding because the the designer that you was it the designer you accidentally drunkenly commissioned to do it. Yeah. They're amazing designs. Like the images are quite traditional images, but the design, the the brand name as well. That was Chris's idea because at the time of him doing this design, I only got the the one source. He said, "Look, you're going to have to come up with a name for it. And you're going to have to come up with a brand name." And I'm like, oh, "I don't know." Um, so I put it out on Facebook. I was like, "Look, I need a name for this sauce. I don't want it to say ass. I don't want it to say, you know, fiery ass or any of that boring sort of, um, you know, male macho bollocks." 
but my friend who's Portuguese came up with La Boca del Diablo for the first name. And I was quite happy with calling that. And Chris is like, that you you are going to come up with more than one recipe, so you need another name. And I undenarded about it. In the end, he just put Pipsot sauce on the bottle. <laughs> so that's how that happened. <laughs> another creative accident. Yeah, the job does it very well. You know, it's, yeah. I think it's a great. You're very lucky you've got a good name. Caroline's yes. hot sauce doesn't sound doesn't fit on a bottle for a start. But I love the, I love the fact that you've got, like you say, you've got this community around you. You've got like-minded people, and they've kind of helped you on the way, even accidentally. Yeah. So tell us a bit about the hot sauces that you've been asked to make, because there's been local local brands coming to you, hasn't there? Let's start with who came first, Attic or Home of Metal? Home of Metal they came first but before that oh yeah fuck so prior to that and this is getting into me doing an uh, a happy accident so uh when provide the guys behind brumbox and they do all the t-shirts and everything um when they used to have a shop in Digbeth, matt came up with the idea of doing a collab sauce together and at the time we brought out this sauce and i must admit i didn't quite get it what he was on about so we did it for a bit and then kind of sidelined it and then a, a few years later i'd been thinking on it going mm, i wasn't quite wasn't quite happy with that but ting i know how to make that idea 10 times better so it came into my head so at the same time i can't remember how this happened but i accidentally said to Fockerwolf, the art, the street artist as well at the same time oh i've got this sauce do you want to do a collab but I'd said it to Matt and said, uh, from Provide at the same time and said, yeah, let's do our collab again. I've, I've sorted it. I've nailed it this time. And then I realised they both said yes. And I'm like, oh, fucking hell. I've got one source, but I've said to two people, let's do a collab. Uh, bollocks. But in the end, that really worked because we all three of us came together. So Fockerwolf designed the label, put some T-shirts together with Provide. You know, it's the Fockerwolf Pit Provide collab called Cure for Life. So we that was actually our first collaboration okay so, brilliant. well two huge huge brummy legends as well so that's pretty cool yeah um and then after that came home of metal which again this was something we've been talking about pre-covid and then everything happened and you know world went to shit for a bit and then we were gonna do it for the anniversary of sabbath's first album but it didn't quite happen for that but then that came I'm, out i'm gonna have to interject for any listeners who don't know birmingham is the home of metal Fuck and yeah. <laughs> black sabbath one of the most famous metal bands in the world and uh, come from birmingham creators of heavy metal they are the creators of heavy metal yeah <laughs> and who are home of metal so, oh God, don't ask me to go into great detail because I only know because Lisa from Capsule, who I've known fucking ever, she's behind it all basically. So, you know, they're an arts organisation that celebrate Birmingham as the home of the heavy metal genre. So their one brief was to make the sauce black. The only way that I could do that um, without using loads of nasty chemicals was to use activated charcoal. So, um, oh. yeah, so it's black, very metal looking sauce. Black it's called black mass that was uh, their idea uh, and it's got a label that one of their designers did uh, and his words apparently were it's as close as we can get to a sabbath cover without being sued by sharon <laughs> i mean it is very close the drip of the wax down the front sheer genius oh, I love doing that. 
I love doing that. It's really oh, relaxing. Yourself. How do you yeah. do that? Ah, I, I well, I, I I could tell you, but I'd have to kill you because it's um, <laughs> the re- it, there's actually a special recipe for the wax that I was given by the old head brewer at Dig Brew before they went bust. So oh. it's uh, you know, it's it's a trade secret. <laughs> Excellent. It's, an, it's a nice touch, definitely. Yeah. Um, and then, so the latest one has been with Attic Brew, who are just legends. Uh, they are the ones that let us do our first Pip and Pals market before it became CIC. So with that, we've done a fermented sauce because I have tried in the past to make hot sauce with beer. And it's fine for barbecue, but that's a bit obvious and a bit easy. So I wanted to try it with hot sauce. But I've never been able to make it work in a way that I've enjoyed the flavour. And because I'm the one who basically taste tests everything, if I don't like it, yeah, it's not going to yeah. fly. So I was trying to think of a way of marrying, you know, what we do with the brewery. And it just so happened with Georgina asked me to do a collab. I happened to have uh, my first ever experimental jar of ferment put to one side. So it was like brewery ferment. Fucking hell, that's perfect. And it's just really bloody lucky that that jar worked. <laughs> <laughs> Because it would have been back to the drawing board. <laughs> I don't think any, I'm starting to think that none of this is luck and accidents. This mm. is the way that it's been meant to be. You reckon? <laughs> yeah. I reckon the universe is guiding you and your sources. Uh, well, uh, I hope it's doing something. <laughs> I'm seeing some skill in chemistry and alchemy. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know. I think the way creative people work is it can't just be explained you know it's it's not something that you can put in a powerpoint presentation it's instinct it's it's just knowing it's just knowing and it and and you have it within you and you can't you can't explain it in in a way that you can other things in business and um you just know it's like someone painting a picture or making or whether you're making sauce you just know what the next ingredient what the next brush strokes going to be I think it's I think that's what you are you're a creative and that's what you're doing and and you know what's going to work and also you've got a really clear idea of what you want for your business it probably doesn't feel like a business feels like just what you do but you know that's what it is I definitely think it's instinct yeah huge I agree with that yeah so do you feel like a business person do you feel like or do you yeah what like how do, how do you think how do you think about it like because you've been doing it for 12 years uh no <laughs> um no I, I definitely view myself as creative not as a business person I'm mm. shit at the business side of it um and I hold my hands up I mean that's what I've always said to anybody who wants to invest is you know I you're not gonna get a business party you you're buying into a creative here so that's probably why we don't have loads of people knocking down our door to well, be investors. <laughs> but that's what. But, but I'd rather be honest. You know, mm-hmm. what's the point in lying? Because you'd set yourself up for failure then. So, yeah. and nobody's got time for that bollocks. It's the creative element that they want. So, yeah. if you do go with an investor, you'll find someone that appreciates that and can work with that. But maybe it's just not the right time for you. I, yeah, I get the feeling I mean, that if you wanted. If you wanted an investor, you could find one that yeah, works, yeah. but maybe it's not the right time. So is it so for you and Matt, does it sustain you, the business? Yeah. I mean, you know, we both work full time in the business. So, yeah, you know, 
That's like, amazing. That's a very healthy business to support yeah. both salaries. That's impressive. Definitely. And we work very we we've, we've got distinct bits that we we each do, but we work brilliantly together and it doesn't affect our relationship at all either because we're best mates. So that that's pretty and, impressive because I come up with lots of ideas, but I know and I have said to my other half we could not work together. Mm. We, there would be too much dispute and and too many power struggles. No, we don't have that at all. We're very, very, very similar in a lot of ways, but also very, very different in other ways. So I'm a lot more impulsive, where he's much more thoughtful. So that works really well together. You know, and <laughs> um, his feet are a lot more on the ground than mine, and that's that's essential because otherwise, uh, I just come up with daft ideas all the time. And um, so he's very much filters some of my crazier ideas <laughs> yeah but without but without also, you there'd be yeah, nothing also, to filter you know, <laughs> you know um that that sounds really biased actually he's you know he does have his own creative ideas as well but um yeah. you know we both work really well as a partnership so yeah. we're lucky what surprised you is there anything along the journey that's been a real surprise and a real revelation in terms of how you've worked together or how you've run the business together I don't think there has been any huge surprises. I just always assumed that we would work really well together, I think. Um, that makes me fan that sounds really glib, doesn't it? But I suppose no. it's that instinct again. Um, I just instinctively knew it, it would be all right. We'd work together all right. So Pip, tell us about the markets, because you, do, you don't just have your own stall and no. sell your own products. You are also... You know, you've been a key influencer in the markets. And tell us about Kings Heath. So initially, year before last, I no, it was last year. I was sat in hospital, having had a hysterectomy. I think it was. Ooh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Before. Oh yeah. no, it was fine. I had fibroids. Um, it had been sat on my back for ages. <laughs> it was like, here's me going. Oh, I've got really bad back pain. Ooh, oh gosh. Anyway, morphed up. I'm all fiend up and I decided it would be a really good idea to start uh, start a market. <laughs> <laughs> that um, morphine, you have to be careful yeah. with it. You get creative oh, ideas. I know. So I approached Attic where I'd done a couple of markets and said, look, can I put a market on there? And uh, because I was so off my face, I organised it for my birthday, which was in about six weeks after <laughs> I, I'd come out of hospital. It's actually on my birthday. I haven't even realised at all. So that was fun, but it went really, really well. And then we did another one in, God, I can't believe it's not been that long, in January this year uh, again. And and just from that, I was like, you know, I really, I've been banging on about, you know, what I'd like to see as a trader in markets. And now, why don't I just do them? So then that, that happened. And what do you want to see? as a trader at markets i want to see i don't want to see loads of duplication i want to see quality i want to see variety i want to see opportunities for newbies i want to see rotation of traders you know it's not just what i want to see as myself as a trader which is obviously things like not having loads of the same fucking traders uh, just because mm. you're too lazy and you want the money and you know, having reasonable times to trade from all those different sorts of things, having, you know, traders respectfully promoted, all those sort of different sorts of things. But also, you know, what I would like to see is a customer like 
a rotation where possible so that there's a little bit of difference to every market and you know just accessibility and all those different sorts of things so um by the time we did the second one i thought you know there's something onto something good here and then i was getting really fucked off with a load of grumpy old men who were very vocal on facebook slagging off the area I live in, Kings Heath and Birmingham, for various different reasons, a lot of them to do with the LTN and various different personal political reasons. And you can't argue with stupid, so there's no point. And actions speak louder and words and all those other platitudes. But I decided, fuck it, I'm going to put on. They keep slagging off York Road in particular, which is, it's it's become the sort of social area. Because of the LTNs, it's become semi-pedestrianised as well. It's a great area. We've got the Heron Hounds, which is best music venue in in Birmingham here we've got you know loads of different bars and restaurants it's great and it's semi-progesterized fucking perfect for a regular market but nobody's doing it because they're scared of these grumpy old men so I thought fuck it I'm messaged Adam who owns the hair and hands and said do you think I'm being bonkers because they they had tried doing stuff beforehand and got a lot of aggro I said do you think I'm being bonkers if I just say fuck it and give this a go and he's like no go for it and we'll support you where we can so I decided to set up a regular market called King's Heath Artisan Market. But a lot of what I wanted to do is supporting new people coming through and new small businesses because King's Heath is full of fucking thousands of micro businesses like mine yeah. that haven't got access to the community um, because there was nothing like that happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something I've been banging on about for ages. So you know, I really wanted to make it something that could be used for these businesses to get some access to the to the community. And talking to my friend who'd set up a CIC, um, who I work with doing some kids classes and things like that, where she was like, well, you, you're describing a community interest company. So, you know, that's what you need to, to do this as. So I set it up as a community interest company. I actually got some funding to help bring some small producers on board as well, which we do on a monthly basis. And what we do, it allows us to provide free community spaces on sunday's market we've got we're working with a street artist called route 0121 a lovely girl called ruth she's got uh curating a new artist table that's going to bring some street art um artists who haven't traded beforehand test their toe in the water getting out there selling their arts and that's something that we've set up we've got our food heroes which is brand new producers and things like that so we've got uh, a well she's kind of a little bit more than a baker I'm not quite sure how to describe it um who's bringing like these beautiful tarts and things and we've got an organic veg grower who are uh, trading under that and we've got community interest groups as well we've got the food bank coming down as well which we basically fund them being able to trade with us Uh, and then we've got loads of really fucking ace traders as well including (laughs) pit stop sauce and people say well what what are you getting out of it and of course I'm creating a fucking brilliant training opportunity for pips hot sauce yeah but it's not just that you know people think oh you're being lovely or you're being stupid no i'm creating a training opportunity on my back doorstep so piece of piss but when people talk about kingsley fasters and market they also know pips hot sauce is behind it so it's great marketing so it's a win-win yeah <laughs> and how popular is it like have you increased the attendance oh. and the footfall and fucking rammed um you know it's our first one oh god matt and i was so neurotic about this so it was march when that was a really really bad cold snap and we had loads of snow and then um we were literally glued to the met office uh, app um without telling each other we were both like sneaking looks at our phones or panicking <laughs> and then bizarrely days of snow and it was like 
15, 16 degrees on that Sunday. It was mental. And and it was just like, you know, super warm. So, you know, it's been really, really good. Um, I think a lot of it is the local community. We do have people coming from further afield as well. Yeah, it's great. And um, we've had people who've started with us and gone on and do other things as well and get wider and get out there. So, you know, it's it's done what I wanted and it's continuing to do what I want. And yeah. how often does it happen? Once a month. Second oh, Sunday wow. Month. So we, we actually, the the kickback from the grumpy old men has only recently started. They were like, you know, writing letters to the council wanting to know that we've got all our licences and stuff like that. But, you know, of course we have. <laughs> have so, you had you to know. learn to do all of that stuff to set up the market? Did you have to get your head around how to, you know, interact with the council and get all the right yeah. permissions? Yes. Um, yes, really lucky, um, really really lovely one at the council who's been really in the licensing department who's been really friendly and you know really great support as well um i think that a lot of people are used to getting so much shit by the time somebody gets one of them on the phone that if you're just pleasant to people <laughs> you're you're amazing <laughs> at. and that's really funny because i'm known for being really sharp and direct so that also <laughs> people laugh me saying that but genuinely a lot of people are just used to getting the the rough end of the deal from people so if you're actually kind of polite um, yeah, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm so so direct most of the time, <laughs> but it is true. <laughs> yeah, but you could you could be direct and still polite. I yeah, mean, yeah. and also you know what you want, and you know you know what you need from them. And if they can help you, yeah. I mean, most people in those jobs actually do want to help. But yeah, yeah it's amazing. So how how is the the sort of community of traders around you how have they reacted to this opportunity of the market brilliantly really really well um yeah it's really supportive really great you've created a brilliant opportunity for people because how hard it's so hard to get your stuff out there isn't it yeah and, absolutely and also for the for the local community it's it's a lovely thing to have that kind of atmosphere going every month where you get to see new people bringing things forward to sell and just have that environment where you are supporting local businesses tell us about pip and pals community interest company how how does that work and what do you do so basically that the company that we run the market through and any okay. other markets that we do but also one of the other things that we do through pip and pals is retail is traditionally shit in the summer which is my excuse for going off and doing kids uh, cooking workshops <laughs> um so i work with northfield community partnership and every summer holidays we produce uh we do cooking workshops in the um the beaches that they put set up in kings norton and northfield that's working with any kids really but a lot of disadvantaged kids as well running uh, cooking workshops with them and it's just brilliant um working with over a thousand kids also oh, wow. doing like workshops like last summer i did bernardo's and different organizations like that as well and then helping my friend when she's got additional workshops that she can't do as well so that's works really well so that goes for the cic as well and that's something that i'd like to expand but i'm cautious about doing because i you know there's any there's only two of us <laughs> yeah there's me and matt and i'm the one who does that you know because it's great because i get to run around to pretend i'm a famous kids tv presenter without the drug habit for a day <laughs> are you raising a generation of hot sauce makers 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. Like last summer, um, this summer just gone, we had um, a lady come along with her little girl. She didn't tell me beforehand. And her girl had was really not into food. She had born without her food pipe. I don't know what the technical word for that is. Yeah. The little girl came into class. We were doing making rainbow noodles. She went home in the car and she was eating noodles. So the mum found uh, my pizza sauce social media contact me to say what an emotional time it was for her she'd never eaten noodles beforehand and I, I still occasionally get messages saying oh you know we've told her that Pip eats scrambled eggs so here she is eating <laughs> some scrambled egg they've got a cooking curry you know all sorts of stuff it's just such Aww. a you just those sort of things you don't know what you're doing yeah uh, and a little moment and so to get feedback's amazing you know I'm really lucky to get the feedback but it, it's not why you did but you know that those little moments could be out there it sounds like you found it really motivating to to give back and to to have a surprise is oh, that fuck, yeah yeah and also it's just such a laugh you get to like you know jump around and get all shouting and stuff like that i mean i couldn't do more than what i do like the big blast of it over the summer because i'd be fucking knackered and it is a change is as good as a rest as well so but yeah you just get <laughs> You just get to show off and be really noisy and play with food. So what's not that can't to love? Is is anyone else feeling a Pips Hot Sauce TV program on the way? Because I am. I can see no, it. I, I swear far too fucking much for that. <laughs> yeah, but the kids will love that. They'll have to bleep you out, and they'll love the number of bleeps. You can have a bleepometer on the side of the. Uh, yeah, I think that would definitely increase your popularity with the kids. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so does that mean you never get a holiday, basically? It sounds like you're constantly on. We are trying to be better. And we're going to go on holiday in January. <laughs> you know, that's, so, you know, but we are consciously trying to be better. And that's just getting older, isn't it? You can't take the piss out of yourself so much i mean when we first started we used to go partying and then get up into a market we'd go you know see a dj and then go um dance all night away and somehow make it to mosley farmer's market the next day so that, i mean those days are gone they are long gone <laughs> but you know um we are trying to be kinder to ourselves so who will make the sauce when you're away oh well we go away when it's really quiet hot sauce lull in january yeah. 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 Well, yeah. what we'll do is we'll make a load beforehand anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what you are describing, though, is mm. we talked about a business and the dreaded word entrepreneur and blah, 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 and what, what you do. But what you have created in my mind is it's a lifestyle. It's, yeah. it's, it's a way of life where you work, but it's sort of not work. Yeah. And I think I'm really envious of that. I'm really envious what? of that. You, you've created something that it's it's just your life kind of thing yeah. Yeah, yeah. Both, yeah. well well I told you I wasn't very good at sort of sitting into like you know authority and the normal stuff so yeah <laughs> pretty much yeah. uh you've got a kind of if you've got the opportunity to make make what works for you happen and not everybody takes that leap though right I think there's something a little bit special about deciding to make the leap like what were the factors like you said that you know your contract is wrapping up but you know you both of you leapt into this business together like wh what went into that decision and was it really scary well, I think it was a lack of um, 
lack of choice <laughs> there weren't that many opportunities that I wanted to go for so it was kind of like you've got to make this work or you know or fucking hell it's call center <laughs> but what about Matt what was he doing at the time well Matt was running student bar and then later working as a framer um so he kept that up he didn't come straight into the business there were a couple of times when he came into the business and whilst we were kind of testing things out and then went back to framing and then after lockdown was there like right no we can't do this we need to be both on it and I think we've grown up a little bit as well less partying and more being sort of focused on making it work so that we could live the lifestyle we wanted to by then as well so it's not like you know we both made the decision there was that kind of thing yeah <laughs> yeah uh, to be honest with you as well I mean this wouldn't have happened without Matt saying you know why don't you you can do this or stop moaning and write down a recipe <laughs> so you know it's very much and and to be honest with you we hadn't been we're, although we've known each other since we were 16 we actually hadn't been together as a couple very long when this all happened so it's kind oh, of wow. all kismet and and the fact that he was the one who said why don't you stop moaning and write a recipe why don't you make it why don't you give it away to some friends why don't you do this that's it's all you know when I say well, I was lucky and it's everything's just kind of happened at the right time and stuff like that you know that's part of it as well mm. yeah which well, sounds like you're you're a partnership essentially you know oh, it's god yeah definitely it's not without though without having that person I think that's really important having somebody who who gets you yeah. and knows what you're good at and can encourage you at the right moments and to take yeah. the leap because without that you might you might not have and we absolutely. wouldn't get your lovely hot sauce <laughs> <laughs> absolutely <laughs> so where's the future like where is pip's hot sauce going no fucking idea <laughs> absolutely no idea you know we'll see I'd, I'd like to keep an open mind and you know just not not try and force the future into boxes to embrace it and roll with it we've come a long way i mean yeah. from from a recipe to one bottle to lots of different recipes to the markets to the pip and pals community interest company the the sources that you've done with other people i mean it feels like it's growing organically really and yeah. And so maybe that's the plan. And I find yeah, that really totally. I find that really comforting. Totally. I mean, you know, why does everything have to have this I must do this on this date and tick this box <sighs> and do that? And that's almost to a degree writing in failure, planning in failure, you know? Mm. Um I like you say, just organically, just you know, I'd rather not try and force the future to be to to be a certain shape. I'd rather you know roll along with it and and take the opportunities that arise yeah, yeah. it's interesting because i think that in this conversation we've talked about luck but i actually think these are opportunities that you were smart enough to realize were opportunities but got rebranded as luck wow um i um i can get why you're saying that but no i'm sticking <laughs> with luck I think it's I think it's all part of the part but it, but that's what luck is isn't it in some ways yeah. things come yeah. along you you can turn your back on it you don't have to have those opportunities or you or you can go with it and I love I love the spirit of the way you're doing this and I think a lot of people will feel find it very inspiring because I think you're right we're 
we're told to plan things in this way that actually for a lot of people and a lot of creative people doesn't feel comfortable and it's yeah. almost like well you can't have you can't do that or you can't have a business unless you've thought of x y and z and i think i think it stops people doing things before they start and actually in this second half of our lives i mean what have we got to lose you just got to yeah, go, exactly. go for it you've got yeah. an idea i mean what what would you advise somebody who was sitting there with i don't know an idea if you were looking back at yourself what would you you know 10 years ago what would you advise um don't go out before a market um, <laughs> that's what i'd do. very um, practical advice yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's one thing give it a go and put it out there say so what might not work but at least you tried yeah you know so you know, you've got to really, if you've got an idea, there's no point going on, either shut up or do it. Mm. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, would you have regretted it if you hadn't made the leap? Oh, absolutely, 100%. Mm. What I really like is your definition of success. And I, what I think is just really fascinating in what you've said is like, just give it a go and see what happens and let it happen organically and don't set markers for yourself. You know, I like your definition of like built-in failure i think that's really insightful and it's Thanks. it's sort of it's a different way of looking at it and that success means something different and you get to define what success looks like that's sort of what i'm getting from this and it's really helping me rethink a lot of things oh cool <laughs> well, absolutely it, i didn't it, realize it, i ever came out with some anything so fucking profound <laughs> watch out <laughs> there's more i think oh, I I think everything you've said, it's, it, it fills, you know, it fills me with confidence. It's, it's just like Eve says, it's just a different way of looking at things. And it's sort of focusing on the now and letting the future come from it, as opposed to always looking ahead and letting that stop you, which I think is what a lot of people do. And we, we don't want that. Well, thank you so much nice, for talking to us today. You. We know how busy you are. So have you got a pot boiling in the kitchen right now? I'm actually in the middle of um, bottling some Cure for Life. So. Oh, how fantastic. Oh, I feel like I'm part of the process. <laughs> well, you can wash up for me if you want. <laughs> well, hmm. might be a bit busy now. Obviously, got to wrap up the podcast <laughs> and you know, do, a few, do a few podcasts. Yeah. tasks whatever they are but yeah right. so, thank you so much for talking to us it's been really inspiring and fascinating really fascinating Excellent. to know how you do it and how it all kind of happened it's just such a great story but yeah thank you very much absolutely bye okay bye, bye. thanks for listening we hope you enjoyed this episode if you did let us know about it we also want to hear what you've been up to since turning 40 Get in touch on our website, rightsideof40pod.com. Follow us on Twitter at RightSide40, Instagram at RightSideOf40Pod, and Facebook at the Right Side of 40 Podcast. All content is arranged by Eve and Caroline. And a big thank you to Terry and V. Neal for writing, performing, and mixing the original music.